going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Round podcast. It's your boy, Matt Burrell. Um, shout out to Sweet Boy behind the camera. And today we have got a very special episode. Got one of my favorite ladies in town. Um, great person to meet up with at, at Red Door. A great person that we've had play the round a bunch and has some incredible merch and some, some little swag that she's brought in. And she has probably the coolest the, the coolest um, mug, jar, cup, I don't even know what to call <laughs> Whatever you normally drink iced coffee out of, you gotta. It's not as cool as what our friend May Estes is drinking her iced coffee out of. What is that, Slim Chickens? Is that the name of the thing? Yes. So Slim Chickens is like, I don't know, a fire KFC kind of. It's, it's a fast food like chicken chain. There's one in Hendersonville, which is where I live. So I get to have it all the time here but it's originally from arkansas which is where i'm from so uh kind of cool to support them in tennessee but their dessert comes in like a little mason jar which to me is just the coolest thing they do well it's fancy as hell <laughs> yeah. clearly but it's like a dessert parfait and you can tell how much my fat ass has had of those <laughs> because my whole cabinet is full of like at least 12 slim chicken jars. Well, I think they're cool jars and they're not like sometimes the mason jars are like massively big. That's yeah. the perfect size for no. for a, a coffee in the morning, a cocktail in the evening, you know? Absolutely. And you get a dessert parfait in yeah. it when you buy it and it's It's perfect. A two for one really. Where does where does it where does it compare to like Chick-fil-A and like Zaxby's or like raising canes where do you put see where do you put that that's hard or is it the nostalgia of it being the hometown no thing where you're it's like, fantastic also they have a pretty small menu like chick-fil-a so that's how i feel like you do it well is you don't try to do everything you yeah. just do what you're good at which is what i look forward to doing with music hopefully eventually <laughs> instead of trying to act like i can wear all of these hats that i have no business wearing yeah um but it's like made fresh to order so that helps so much like you know you're going to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, but I like the mac and cheese bowl. Ooh. So that's chicken cut up on mac and cheese, and that's, I mean, the 12-year-old that I am frozen in time. <laughs> <laughs> As for my appetite, yeah. is like, just stoked yeah. about it. Yeah, so where, where in Arkansas are you from? I'm from Hope, which is almost in Texas, right outside of Texarkana. Okay, so you're west Arkansas. I'm southwest Southwest Arkansas. Arkansas. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, about 20 minutes east of Texarkana. That okay. kind of helps people. I have usually. driven through there many a times in a van, in a bandwagon, ridden in a bus, <laughs> going out to Texas along. Yep. Is it that's I-20, right? 30. I-30. Okay. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta go through my hometown to get down to Texas. So I mean, it's just a little interstate town, about 10,000 people. Yeah. What's yeah? What's Hope, Arkansas like? Shh, well, it's the birthplace and boyhood home of Bill Clinton. Really? Okay. So it's on the map just because we had a president come from there, which is is cool. But yeah. it it was just normal to me. I went to elementary school at. William Jefferson Clinton Primary School and like that's just not <laughs> yeah that's not weird at all and uh I, hell I never toured any of any of those things and my dad was born and raised there and he's never toured them so if you live there it's less significant I guess how, but, how many how many kids are you graduating high school with um somewhere between one and two I think okay that's pretty good yeah. yeah that's a good size I was fifth in my class wow look out look at you yeah I gotta brag about that shit now because it's like <laughs> Yeah, my college degree matters not at all if I'm trying to do what's music your, for a what's living. What's your What's your degree and where did you go? 
I went to Henderson State University in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. I know. I, I've stopped in Arkadelphia. I think you guys have a love. There's a loves in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Uh, there's one in Prescott. One in Prescott. That's what it is. Which is pretty I've, close. Because I remember I've filled, I've filled us up. I filled up the van in that part of Arkansas. At the loves. Yeah, so man. Wh- that's... What was your major? I got my bachelor's in mass media communication. Okay. I could see that. Well, it does kind of make sense, but... Yeah. I was I wanted to go to Belmont so bad, but it was so expensive, and I came and toured, and I was going to lose all of my. I was getting a ton of academic scholarships and state scholarships in Arkansas that I was going to lose if I went out of state. Yeah. Um, so I thought radio would get me closest to music, and turns out radio has absolutely nothing to do yep, with that actual was, that, music. And that was the world that I was in before I moved down here. I did radio up in Jersey, and that was like how I got my start. And it's just a grind. On a grind, on a grind, and just just slaving away, not making any money. Oh, there's please. no money. What, what kind of was it like? Was it like were you like street teaming stuff? Were you doing on air shifts? Did they try to push you over to the dark side and go to sales. <laughs> so I had to. I kind of had to pick a focus, but I did still have to do like just normal journalism for the paper. We had to write a certain amount, you know, for the paper every month, and then also had to do news segments on TV. So like the news desk kind of stuff, which I was horrible at. Um, <laughs> what was, what was like, do you remember like either, do you remember like one that you were like, damn, this one actually turned out pretty good. And do you remember one that was like, oh shit, this was cringy. Well, Cause I, I used to write for the school newspaper and do all that shit too. And I look back at some of my articles. I'm like, whoa, I actually like, that's, that's pretty cringe. I'm actually like, I'm a really good writer. I don't feel like that's, I, I don't mean that cocky. I just mean, like, words are one of my only skills. Yeah. Like, I have no athletic ability, like, nothing like that. So I'm just good with manipulating words. Yeah. Hence the songwriting thing, I guess. So what I wrote was awesome, but as far as journalism, I hated harassing people. Like yeah, the I, follow-ups. And I would rather die than just be like, hello, ma'am, do you have time for a few questions about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? <laughs> like, it just feels... So cringy. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. Then having people come to you, I don't know. It was just, oh, I hated well, it how so did, much. How does that, how did that feel for, how comparing that to when you first moved to town or when you start co-writing, whether it be bar, back in Arkansas or here, was that a similar kind of thing or was that more organic? You're meeting up with friends and you have like-minded people. Like, it's a little bit easier, I think, to be like, hey, we should, we should, we should write a song. Like you're sitting yeah. there hanging out with someone, whether it's instead of like following up, be like, Hey man, I really need this quote. Like no. now I got to have this article out. I oh, need it, this quote. You know, when you're a journalism major in school, you just harass every friend you have. It's like, Hey, I wrote this quote. Is that okay? If I put your name under it, that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, I did that. So too. I wouldn't have to ask I strangers. Yeah. I was like, okay, Cindy from my sorority, you really love this new restaurant on campus. Okay. You said the fries are your favorite. Is that cool give me a thumbs up all right now we got to go get a picture of you sitting in front of the plate uh, yeah. of fries like meet me at lunch i'll buy your fries <laughs> help a girl <laughs> yeah, out so i don't have to funny. go talk to strangers thank you yeah but the radio part of it was kind of the same like i just felt like the creativity part of it was just not not there like it was a lot of like i mean me personally i was like okay you know, Henderson, it's uh, 70 degrees outside. Uh, here's Def Leppard. <laughs> I just, I had no idea what to say. So I think I would have more personality now, but that was a train wreck. But getting to town was more, definitely more organic. And I think it comes down to what you're passionate about. I didn't have my heart in 
the journalism or the radio yeah. or any of that. And my heart was in songwriting. Like I want to learn. So I kind of felt more like I was at, I was building mentors. Yeah. And luckily I just had a lot of people in town that were willing to teach me everything they knew. And I was so hungry to learn. Yeah. How old were you when you moved here? 21. 21. Okay. So you came. So you did you, so you did how many, so you did college and then you just were like, what was, was it, was there the decision where like, fuck this, I got to get to Nashville? Honestly, that decision was made probably in like fifth grade. <laughs> I came from a small town in Arkansas. The scene, the music scene was non-existent. Like there was some stuff way up north, but I mean, Fayetteville, University of Arkansas, all of that is like five and a half hours from my hometown. Georgia's majestic, baby. So yeah, we are not close to no, anything. Yeah. I had to sing on like hay rides and Opry's and like super small town, classic country, like AM radio shows and stuff, which I'm so grateful for now. But at the time it was like, I'm not going to go anywhere, but this show every Saturday in Texarkana kind of thing. So if I was going to build a career out of it, which I had seen from Reba and Dolly and all of these women that I followed forever, like I knew it could be done. Um, And I've always just known I had a work ethic to fall back on and that's where a lot of my belief in myself came from was like well I'm gonna just you know die trying I'm gonna but I'm gonna you know bust my ass and I won't be the reason that it doesn't happen you know it'll be because it wasn't supposed to or whatever but I've gotten down a rabbit hole now of my passionate journey talk <laughs> well, um, hey, you, you mentioned Opry and AM show. Uh, you uh, just you just announced something really cool recently about making your debut at the grid. Now, to come from where you come from and to have had that as part of your story of doing kind of the the small town regional versions of that. Now, to get the invite to do that with being the lover of country music that you are and all the work you've put in, what? I mean, first of all, congrats. It's fucking awesome. Thank but you like, so much. But what, what's it like thinking back to Baby May singing at the Texarkana <laughs> Opry? Oklahoma AM, Opry, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah the, the, that show that now you're going to be on, you're going to be doing the real damn thing, singing your songs. Yeah, that's a whole other level that I haven't actually thought about. Thanks, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I'm about out of tears now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I might still have to take some medication the night of the show, so I'm not literally passing out from crying so hard. Yeah. But when I'm prepared for something that emotional, then I can like hold it together. But, oh, my gosh. So it's so funny. This is a cool story to share because I feel like we were we were talking before we started about S.J. McDonald and like a ton of killer artists who are busting their butts right now and who are your family they're not just your friends they're family oh, they're family but also the work ethic and like i have been so blessed to finally start to have a team so now someone books my songwriting calendar and helps me with all of that and and i have a manager who helps me with let's go everything huge. Yeah. it's huge but it's like i know what it was like when i didn't have that and i'm still working just as hard even with it but i know how i know how much hard work it takes so That's what felt full circle about the Opry for me. I've been in town almost eight years. When I first got to town, one of my first jobs was in the Opry shop at the Grand Ole Opry. So that's the retail store. It was the lowest hourly rate I've ever made. It was so not paying fairly. (laughs) Like $9. I don't know. It was something so, so small. But I worked there and managed the Victoria's Secret in Green Hills at the same time and wrote songs on top of that so I was slammed 
But I worked there probably, I don't know, it was less than a year. But I have a name tag that says Opry May that I've been holding on to because I knew I would end up on that stage if I was supposed to and that I would have that name tag that I could wear and remind me of all of that hard work. And I worked at Tavern, which was a restaurant in Midtown, for four years. Worked, I mean, spent so much of my life in that building. Yeah. And I worked with a girl there. She was a hostess while I was a server, and she now works for Opry. No way. And so we got coffee um, just to catch up because we were like, oh, my gosh, this is so silly. We've been, you know, we need to do better. We've been wanting to see each other. And so we go catch up. Um. I finally have enough like going on in my career that she's able to introduce me to the team and then they love what I'm doing. Um, and so I have my Opry intro where I just get to go play for the team and meet them. And then a week later, they asked me to play their holiday party. They have to do that after the holidays because they're so busy with shows and things. A lot yeah. of companies have to do that in Nashville. I don't know about elsewhere, but asked me to play their holiday party and asked me to bring Josh Matheny, who plays Dobro with me and is my brother from way Incredible back. musician, too. An unbelievable human, dude. Yes, it's just great guy. The best hair. It's just <laughs> not fair, really. Uh, but a goober and a half, so it evens out. Anyway, so we're playing this holiday party uh, for all of the Opry staff at Nissan Stadium where they're having their, like, holiday party, and then... I play like a six song set and I'm like, thank y'all so much. This is so cool to get to play for you. And I hope to see you in the circle soon. And like just shooting my shot. Like I wrote him a thank you note that was like, you know, I I can't wait for the opportunity, but thank you so much for letting me play your party. Like genuinely did a week after I met him, there's no way I was so not expecting it. And then an MC comes up and he's like, I think Josh has something he wants to ask you. And I was like, what the hell? And yeah, Josh gives a little spiel bragging on me. And then he was like, wanted to know if you wanted to make your opera debut on March 4th. And I have, I only have one nephew. My younger sister uh, has a son named Lincoln and his first birthday is March 4th. Wow. So it's on his birthday and I'm going to throw all kind of fits if they don't let me bring him on the (laughs) stage to sing to him. I'm just kidding. I'm going to be like, absolutely, Mr. and Mrs. Opry. Yes, no problem. Yes, of course, no problem. It's fine. That is such a, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen. Like it rarely happens like that, but that speaks to what Uh, you're doing creatively with your music and how you are as a person, I think, because not everybody gets that opportunity, but that opportunity comes from you being you and then meeting you and being like, this girl exemplifies country music, especially to the, the traditional country music sound that you have like in your style and that whole crew around you kind of yeah. has, it's so cool to see that. Cause it's, it's been here in town. Like it hasn't gone away, yeah. but it's just like for what the rest of the world has seen in the country landscape, it hasn't been at the forefront like it used to be, but it's still been here in town. You can go to scoreboards, you can go to the palace, you can go to the local, you can oh, go yeah. to so many different vent, like bars in town. Bobby's, Bobby's idol hour. Great like ambassadors for that traditional country music, Western style songwriting, storytelling and songs. You have that in all of your songs and it's so cool. And and to me, it's like to hear, like to hear thinking about cheating or to hear, to hear run or to hear even, even a rock and her tune, like, like hell, hell you raised. Like 
that that kind of stuff just makes so much sense at the Opry, like with the traditional style instruments. It's going to be so cool for you. I'm so dang happy for you. Dude, I can't even process it. And the whole state of Arkansas is coming to town for that. So (laughs) it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. I got my backstage list made, but we'll have to see how my family acts. Yes. The day of, we'll have to make that call. Yeah, so... Game time. <laughs> so so this, so this we're already... I mean, that's that's a great start to 2023. Now, what... You said you've you've got somebody doing your... Helping with booking your rights now, which takes a huge load off your plate. You've yep. got somebody on the management side. You've got a team around you. When did... How did all that start coming to be? Because you've been in town for eight years. You've been busting your ass and putting out music and playing rounds and doing this and doing that. How does the team come into play? Like, what was that all like? I think it's different for everybody, for sure. But I uh, felt like all of mine came late. And I don't know, like, I mean, you look at Lainey. My mom called me yesterday on my drive home. We talk pretty much every day. I'm driving out of town. And she um, was like, Lainey, did you know Lainey's been in town for 12 or 13 years? I'm not sure what it was. And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, when did she get signed? And I was like, I think it's been, you know, like about three years ago or so, at least three or four. And mom was shocked at like, you don't hear of these artists even immediately when they're signed to a major label. So it's funny how much longer the journey takes. And when you're in the middle of it, it's so hard. Like even hindsight doesn't help you. Like sometimes I feel like I've been here two days and sometimes I feel like I've been here 200 years. You know, yeah. do you feel that way about your time? Yeah, I've been here. It'll be, it's just over four years for me. But like, I feel like I've lived different lives since I've been here. You do? Like four years. Like I started up working on Broadway. That was a chapter. I went out in the road with Muscadine. That was a chapter. I've been out in the road with Trey now. That's been a chapter. Doing the podcast. That's like yeah. different chapters within those years to make it feel like, like it's hard to try to remember what living in New York every day was like. Yeah. Like for you, eight years here now, it's... Yeah, and it being so different from where I come from, like I'm yeah. sure it's. I mean, it's really different for you too. I can't speak because I. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it's becoming more and more like it, which is kind of frustrating. Like it's oh, getting t- closer and dude. closer to where it's becoming a bigger and bigger city. Like I'm out in Hermitage. That's where I live. So I like being out of town. It's Me too. Just enough outside of town. It's kind of close to the airport if I got to go somewhere. But everything. Like, I only come into town to do to do stuff like this to do my rounds out live, like do, do shit like that. Like I don't come into town every day. If I don't have to come into town every day, that's, that's pretty good, but you got to come in the network and whatever. But yeah, it is for you come, being here eight years. You've seen it literally. Cause that's what 2015. Yep. Like that is the, the height of when the changes really started happening. Cause I, I got think here I was part of the problem. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you, you get here and it's like my first three years here. It's like, you can't, you are part of the problem. You cannot complain. And then I was like, I think like no. year four, I'm going to start claiming I'm a local. I don't. And I'm going to be like, no, I can hate well, tourists now. <laughs> to me, to me, it's Nashville. Like there's, it's to me, you're the typical of what's been coming here for decades you're coming here to pursue your musical dreams and aspirations learn how to write songs and you're a a student of country music that's who's been coming here for decades yep now see i'm still in like music but me coming from new york and being outside of that and like there's just a lot more like commercial stuff which you're gonna have when places grow and it's cool to see country grow commercially because more people give us like the fact that there's that c to c thing where there's artists Like even like mid-level artists, like not huge, not just superstars going over to Europe and doing like full on like weeks worth of country music in other countries. Like that's huge, you know? So there's something to be said for growing up like, like for it 
Nashville building up like that. But I don't like seeing as the place is closing, like Arnold's, like Hermitage Cafe. My like, first Hermitage Cafe going out, that hit me hard, being a former downtown employee. I totally hear you. My first time to ever play in Nashville was an open mic night at Douglas Corner. Yeah, so, I, SJ brought me there a couple times. It's pretty sad to see that go. I know there's like a cool, vibey spot there now. Um, it's not the same, though. It's but different. The, yeah, it's so different. Um, but I skipped over your team question. Sorry, I got yeah, no, off you're track. Good. I, I get scattered, too. You're it good. is important like to share, I think, because, like I said, nobody's journey is different. But that's what I've done my whole time in Nashville is ask questions. And that's yeah. the best thing I could recommend for anybody. So which one did you meet first? Um, the one helping you with the publishing, the one with the management? How so did that... publishing was first for me. So I've been riding with Autumn McIntyre since I got to town. We've become great friends. She's a great mentor. She co-wrote. Um, thinking about cheating with me and a ton of others, Roses. And she signed with Plaid Flag Music. Oh, great. And it was a super small uh, publishing company, but her having faith in them also, like, kind of took my trust. Like, I trusted them more from the beginning because she trusted them because otherwise I have trust issues that will burn my whole career down probably or I'm just like... I just met you. I'm sorry. We're going to have to spend at least a couple years together before I decide if I can trust you. And that's ridiculous. But anyway, so she introduced me to them. Essentially, she was turning in demos and I was singing all of our songs together. And they were like, okay, fine. Like, we need to meet this girl. And um, Kendall Warren and I hit it off. Uh, And then Stephanie Cox at Cobalt. Cobalt's our creative admin with plaid flag so in 2020 november of 2020 i um signed my first publishing deal with plaid flag music and isn't it wild how great things come in such weird times like 20 the end of from the last half of 2020 for me was probably the best six months of my life so far and for you to have signed like you got to figure the world's in shambles but there you're was... st- but you're still working your ass off and writing songs and a great blessing comes in such a weird time It was so funny because that's another thing. The Opry ask, like any of those things that I've dreamt of, they are never like you think they're going to be. And it's not, I'm not complaining about that, but it's like I didn't even put makeup on because I had to wear a mask, drove to my attorney's office who I'd never even met in person, come in his office, I'm wearing a mask, he's wearing a mask, I sign a piece of paper, he's like, congratulations, I go get back in my car by myself, take my mask off, like take a selfie of me in this piece of paper, and that was my signing. And I was like, I have been working so hard for a publishing deal and then we had to like take a social distancing picture outside. Yeah. And they cropped my face out of it and it was like it made me look like i was 300 pounds and i had been hibernating in a log during covid for the whole winter and i was like this is not what i have dreamt of (laughs) but i got over that quickly but it's when you're in covid i was just like everything sucks yeah but yeah my dream and i had just gotten laid off when covid started march 16th i got laid off at tavern so i mean i was still in the restaurant industry in the thick of it and probably wouldn't have given that up i would have kept trying to stretch myself thin just for the security but covid really was a blessing it ripped me out of the restaurant industry set me on my ass made me dive into tiktok which is now the 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 I don't know, the source for a lot of massive things in my career. 
Dude, yeah, over what are you? It's like over three hundred fifty k as yeah. of as of today. By the time this episode comes out, who knows where it's all it takes? <laughs> is it can in one day it can shoot up by a ton. It can, but it also like I've been pretty stagnant at three fifty for a while, and now it's like I don't know if I've been shadow banned or I don't know the terms well enough to even speak intelligently yeah. on it. But uh, I mean, I'll get like two thousand views on. Most of my videos, and I have three hundred fifty thousand followers. Yeah, you were so. getting more views when you had like, yeah, when you had like ten thousand followers. So yeah. the engagement is just never consistent. So I gave up on trying to understand TikTok and just desperately chasing that because I a thousand percent did. And it, I think anybody who, anyone who tells you they haven't had an unhealthy, like an unhealthy relationship with TikTok at some point that is like a big creator on there is lying is so lying because it is it's very taxing on your mental health because if you have something pop off then you expect yourself to create content that's going to pop off and you have no control over that the algorithm shows it to who they want to it's not about if it's great content or not you have to learn that and so I definitely went through my journey of that but now I just I use it like every other platform. It's one more tool in your belt. Yep. And I, if every artist could see that and and tweak it to them. Like I have a lot of, we were talking about traditional country yeah. being commercial. Like I think that's the problem is it hasn't been commercialized in the last little bit because most of my favorite artists are terrible on social. Yeah. And not just that they're terrible, they're scared of them and they don't feel comfortable doing them. Yeah. Like, like we were talking about this. We had Grady Smith on not too long ago. I love Grady. I did. Grady's a great dude. He is. And uh, we were, one of the things we talked about, we were like, here, he brought it up. He was like, he was saying he's been trying to get Brad Paisley and his team to do more on TikTok. Like, Brad Paisley is like a personality. Like, you think of those, like, the music videos that we watched as kids and the the two the artists of the 90s and 2000s that had those personalities there's no reason you can't just show those on there but i get at the same time it's a new thing and they might not they don't understand it but they're not getting creative Which, with that process like yeah, you should everything yeah, like, yeah but the creativity's there it's like yeah. they could totally put it in there but so. they're trying they're like only looking at the trends and i think in artist defense that a lot of the music business people are only looking at the trends because algorithmically, I get it. Like that's yeah. that's your best success for viral content. But if you want people to buy into you as specifically in the music industry, that's like I I could be a lot closer to a million and not because I'm good or cocky or any of that because I know after this much time and research on the platform, I think I know what builds your followers if that's your goal. I don't want to build my followers as my number one goal. Like everyone that followed me saw me sing on that platform. You want to you want to build your music fans. I want you to buy into my music, and I want yep. you to see a video on TikTok. And I don't care if you hit follow on TikTok. I want you to go follow me on Spotify or yep. go buy my song. So yeah. it depends what goals you have, you know, yeah, and at, like what you're trying to promote. Yeah, and at the end of the day, best song. The song wins. Without the song, we we have nothing. That's true. It is a super frustrating phrase if yeah. you're i don't know if it's just a I know publishers singer say it, songwriter. I know publishers say it all the time or, or, or a lot of or a lot of like staff writers at places will be like best songs gotta win best like for their outside cuts and stuff but there are definitely like artists who break that don't have the songs yeah so how is it is it like a longevity thing you think it could be like a longevity thing or finding the song that fits that person because we have really shitty songs out there 
like really? overall, like like, like in country in the, music. Yeah, in yeah, like in the, yeah, like simple, sim- just, like simple, like just not real. Yeah. Not even like judging them, like because I'm not one of those that's like that's not country. I don't care no, about country genres. Country can be whatever the hell you want it to be. Absolutely, and, and this I, whole genreless thing is kind of really cool right now because we're yeah. seeing guys like Hardy bring in like the 2000s rock stuff to. And who cares country. if it's real and authentic and somebody connects with it? There's a place for it. And yeah, I totally Amen. believe that. Amen. <laughs> I don't know. Nashville's a whole other beast, though. It's... It is. It is wild, and for you to have been in town as long as you have, you've seen like the ups and down, the up and down swells, and oh, you've yeah. seen what it's like to be at the bottom and start playing rounds. Like, what advice would you give to someone just moving to town now? Because it's different than when you and I moved to town. Yeah, I mean, I'm such like a skeptic to begin with, so I'm just the kind of person who has always. Uh, prepared for the worst and been like surprised if it was if it went well, but I'd never expect anything to yeah. go well. So I definitely don't recommend having that attitude because it makes it really hard to celebrate good things and you have to. The whole from the second you get here, your journey starts. And I think I had to have like my first song out to call it like no, but, when my career started, but, but your first round, your first right, your first, your first gig in town, your first demo that but you get back. But the move here, dude, like, and the move here is such a big thing. The That's move the hardest part here is getting was here. was so hard, and I, I finally. What was, what was so hard about it for you? Money, yeah. resources. I came from a small town in Arkansas, which was it's seven and a half hours from here, and everyone in my family lives within a hour radius of there everyone it's all i'd ever known i went to school 50 miles north of there and that's all i'd ever seen barely been out of the state and knew nothing about nashville knew nobody in nashville my grandpa was in a bluegrass band with josh matheny's mama and that's how our families knew each other well but i didn't know josh i was in first grade when he moved to nashville and so anyways it was just like Nobody leaves my hometown. It was insane to move that far away. Yeah. And then it cost so much money. So I went to college and worked full time on top of going to to school and graduated in three years instead of four because I could not stand it. I wanted to get to Nashville and I just prepared myself for the worst and worked my ass off. That's one thing like... If you have that drive and that work ethic, that is one thing that nobody can ever take away from you. Yeah. And that is what like has held me together in this town is knowing that if I show up, that's all I'm responsible for. And then those opportunities just kind of come. But I also was really blessed to have people around me, which so I'll reiterate what everyone told me. Like it is a people town. Absolutely. And they call it networking, which gives it like an ugly, annoying feel to me, but it's Making friends yeah, is exactly what it is because in my experience, I haven't had a lot of people who I just kind of connected with on a professional level because they could do things for me or I could do things for them. Like I have genuine friendships in my professional relationships. Who, who, were, who were some of those first friends? Like you moved to town who, who, yeah. was, who was like one of your first friends and how do you ever meet him? Aside from Josh because like Josh is like Josh the hometown is connection. Definitely a number one. Marty Dodson I met on a riding retreat. The girl. Yeah. Uh, so she's one of my best friends. Autumn McIntyre. Definitely, but just one of my first friends uh, was Andrew Beeson. Oh, no shit. Who is an incredible singer, songwriter, producer, and just 
a great friend because he actually trained me when I started working at the Opry shop. Oh, really? And instead <laughs> That's of, cool. he gave me like a tour and a little rundown of what my job was going to be. And then he was like, so you play music? And then we went in the office and just passed a guitar back and forth and just playing songs for each other. And then we've been in each each other's corner ever since. And so he's going to be at the Opry debut and Let's like, go. it's going to be so special to share that with him. But yeah, one of my very first friends was Andrew Beeson. That's awesome. So you got the Opry debut coming up. You just did the big Whiskey Jam takeover. Yes. And you've got coming out the, the week that we're dropping this episode, you've got an EP coming out. Yes. So talk about that, the name the name of the EP, what you yeah. got going on with that. And congrats. I know how big it is to get out a project, like all the work that goes into it, especially now having a team with it. Yep. They're looking, there's ways you look at it and talk about it now yep. that you didn't even, th- that you don't even like think about doing like the marketing of it, the this, the that, the back and forth on the cover art, the, the mixes, all the shit. Yeah. When you have the team that you don't even think about when you're an independent because it's you know, think about it. There's nobody else talk, going through it with you. Yeah. So what's the EP called and what's it all been like? So the EP's called Before the Record. Um, I like I like that. It gets me excited for what could be coming I was in the about future. to say, that's what it's all about was kind of, I think I'm kind of in a pivotal point in my career where I'm about to have a lot uh, of opportunities that are going to help um, with exposure of my songs, which is my ultimate goal is to get whatever these stories are, I feel compelled to tell to the people that were supposed to hear them. And so that requires the biggest platforms possible, you know? So I kind of feel like I'm on one side of my Nashville journey and about to cross over to a new chapter in a cool way. Let's go. So before the record's kind of like when I'm still, you know, screaming my name from the rooftops and nobody knows who the hell I am. And then now I'm going around and people know who I am some, and that's a weird feeling. I think everyone in this town kind of hits that point where it's like, oh, now you hear me screaming, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so reflecting that time so I don't forget what it feels like right now, uh, and I'm still able to celebrate that first record uh, when we get that going because I've got all the songs, man. I have so many songs I've been yeah. sitting on. Yeah. But it is such a big deal, so thanks for saying that because I think that's something – just a general country music audience has no idea the process behind it because I sure didn't until I got here and got in the middle of it. But it is so much work. So this is my first project in almost eight years in town, and I've been singing since I was seven years old. So it's it's a big, big accomplishment. And uh, my Uncle Billy back in Arkansas bought my first CD for me about 15 years ago, handed me a 20 and was like, this is for your first CD. So 15 years later, I cannot wait. We're printing CDs the first time with my EP, and I can't wait to give him his CD that he bought so long ago. So things like that that come with a project that's going to be awesome. But my team right now, I say team because they work so, so hard with me and for me, and I'm crazy champions. But um, I have publishing with Plaid Flag Music. And then Kendall Warren, who is part owner in that company, is now my manager also. That's that's a big deal. That's so, huge. It is huge. So she uh, has never managed before, but we really hit it off. But you've also never had a manager before. And I yes. feel like that's a big thing is you guys are learning and coming through it together, which a lot of people are like, I got to work with so-and-so. It's nothing against the the big management companies and big great managers that there are in yeah. town, but there's something to be said for an artist that's taking steps they've never taken before with 
with a guy or a girl who who believes in them and wants to take those steps as well. And you guys grow together. That's, Absolutely. That could be so special. And she's, I mean, she graduated from Belmont. She's been massive in all of the entrepreneur groups in Nashville. She has a massive network of business people to my massive network of creatives in town yeah. that I've met. So we kind of are just a dynamic duo. She works her ass off. So, so hardworking. And she's just a great human. Like, Literally anyone I've had a meeting with or met her, like, that's the first thing they tell me. It's like, we love Kendall so much. And then yeah. she's on the golf course with them next week because she's <laughs> a badass athlete all around. But, yeah, so it's it's so cool. We kind of are just keeping it in the family right now. So that's all I have on my official team. And Stephanie Cox is just a godsend. I mean, she's she is a massive piece of country music uh, to me. The song she's gotten cut yeah. and the writer she signed and developed their careers you know before they even got started with the label and things like that and so she was heavily involved with hardy's career yep. and kaylee hammock and i mean those are artists i respect immensely so i yeah. can't believe i'm you know getting to work with someone who worked um with those people but yeah it's been amazing but other than that i kind of have stayed indie so i'm an ultimate control freak because i do all of my own website design marketing merch shipping but it's one because you might be a control freak <laughs> but it's two you give a shit you give a shit about the details you give a sh well you give a shit about the details and you want your fans to have the best version and the most authentic version of Mayestas that they can have and by you having some some say in that some control in that you you get to keep that yeah it's a big thing and it is like i, I wouldn't say i'm great a designer or anything by any means but it is another creative outlet yeah. So it's kind of just like when you're creating music, like it's just fun to, you know, it's just another kind of art for me. And marketing in general just feels like connecting with people. So I think that whole like journalism world, I loved creating like segments or ideas for stories or things like yeah. that. Like I loved the creative aspect of it. I just didn't want to go harass people <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. So I still love coming up with like social concepts and I find myself lately like, we were talking about our guys, Old Hickory, yeah. uh, the trio of Dan Alley, Timothy Baker, and Andy Austin. Go follow them on socials. You definitely should. Shout out. Andy Austin was like episode six or seven oh. of this podcast when we were recording it in a basement at ah. my buddy Tyler, who I used to do this with. We used to do it in his basement with the two cats that his roommate had. He had two cats. I he love had, a cat. He had two of them. They were both. One was a fat orange cat. One was a fat black I'm and white cat. I'm not coming back here unless you get cats. Podcats. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think we might have to work that out. There. Or I'm bringing my cat. Yeah. <laughs> but the two cats, they were named Felix and Cake. And we called them, and we called them the podcasts. And sometimes we'd be doing our our episodes. Like I have pictures. I think I have a picture of. I think it was. I forget if it was S J or Carly Rogers. One of the episodes, the cat is like climbing on their back while we're doing the interview. Like they were friendly cats. They're the cats that one of them would sit in my lap while I would record the episode. We didn't have video back then, but I'd be sitting like the Godfather, like Don Corleone, just petting the cat while I'm like, so what? Did, so so how did you get to town? And I'm just sitting there Bro, this fat you're doing cat. it wrong without your cat. Where the hell are your cats? Well, they're not my cats. You got to get some then or borrow I mean, those for the podcast. I mean, I feel like it'd be, I mean, yeah. <laughs> dude, uh, yeah, like we could totally put a litter box like in the bathroom. I think you got to get, I think you need like a fur coat and a cat in your lap 
Like, we could vibe this out a little more. A, a fur coat? Like, you're, you're too talking... swaggy to not have a fur coat on and a cat in your lap. Dude, I mean. And that's... some gold chains of some sort. That's like, I, I credit a lot of my, like, my recent jumping into doing this, this style thing. Because I, I, I used to, like, I used to shave my head all the time. Like, I had, like, a buzz cut. Mm-hmm. Now I have this curly hair. My mom, my mom was like, you got to have the curly hair. Curly I hair love is gonna the be great. curly hair. Everybody I've does. I've seen it. I never, yeah, I never wanted to. I always wanted to, like. I never like gave a shit about like styling this and that. Then I met Nikki T from Ray's Rowdy, ah. and Nikki T like ordered me a matching velour tracksuit. Yes, he was like just like rent. Like I didn't own a pair of Jordans. Now I got fucking Nikes. I didn't have any oh, of that you shit. Look, yeah, you look clean. So, but like the fur, but like the fur coat with like not like not like a hat, like a lid. We'll get you. Yeah, we'll get you there. I mean, petting, I get it. If we're a, if we're starting slow, I totally petting get it. a petting a cat. But the cat. McElwain wants to. He likes the Mancoon cats. The oh Maine yeah, those Coons. are pretty. He wants one of those, one of those big boy cats. I don't know if I could do that because that's like the size of the couch. All I'm saying is you better rescue that cat. I feel oh, it's got to be a rescue. Oh yeah, I'm one rescues. of those. I'm a rescue person. I'm a rescue. I feel animal. so strongly about it. I turn into a Karen very quickly about rescuing animals. Yeah. So how this many? This town has so many people. So how many animals do you have? I just have one cat. So have one cat. I have had her for 16 years. She's 16. Wow. So I will be unwell when she dies, so which she, is never. <laughs> so she made the move to Nashville with you. So I was here for like um, three to six months. I can't remember without her just to kind of get settled because I was also working so many jobs. Yeah. Um, but then my parents brought her up and she's been here ever since. And I have had some super lonely nights in this town uh, just hold my cat. So she held me together. And yeah. uh, what's her name? Gracie. Gracie. Yeah. So uh, it's gonna be super rough. But she's a raging bitch. Oh, is she? she? Hates me. We love a cat with personality. Oh my god, she's aggressive. But I would let her bite my hand off, and I would tell her I'm sorry uh, for whatever I did. I'm sure I deserved that. What level of aggressive? Like pain in the ass aggressive, or like you got a you got a, a cup of coffee sitting on the counter, and she'll go up and knock it off, or like oh, lazy aggressive for lazy sure. Aggressive. But I try to love her, and then she will literally like the puncture wounds from. Look, I have a scratch on my hand as proof. I probably got more. It's it's pretty sad. I'm like an old lady, like. <laughs> And I she's like an old cat, and she's still so got she's that in ancient. her. she's ancient. Yeah, 16 for what a kind cat. Of cat. What kind of cat? breed of cat? Do you know? Uh, or is it just a rescue cat? She, no, I rescued her off the street. She ran in front of a school bus outside my mom's work one day, and I was like, oh, I'm not putting you back down. She was just a street, like, kitten. Um, So just short-haired. I don't know. Just a cat? What color? She's just a cat. Um, She's, like, brown and black. Okay. I'll have to show you a picture. Yeah. Kind of tiger striped dish. Okay. I'm yeah, we well, had I had si- I had Siamese cats growing up. Like they were like my brother we and sister had Siamese Yeah, 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 place, yeah. My sister used to sing that all the time. <laughs> um, but um we had these two cats and they they were named and one of the names so one of the names was Coco. It was two boys, Coco, and then the other one's name, which is funny because it was my aunt. My aunt had a cat that was named this. So my sister was like, We gotta name this cat this. They named the fucking cat Sambuca. Like Sambuca, the liquor. Sambuca, baby. Sambuca, like the liquor. Like That's the Ita- a Siamese cat name if <laughs> like, I've ever heard so it. it was I support Coco, Coco and Buka were the two cats. The first cat I named was Tater. That is Arkansas. That's tell epic. Me, tell me you're from Arkansas without telling me you're from Arkansas. Here's my cat, Tater. You want to pet my Tater? <laughs> you want to pet my cat, Tater? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, well. 
I like, I like, I, see, I like cats. Cats get a bad rap. A lot of my buddies are like, dude, fuck cats. I'm like, dude, I like cats. I got nothing against them. They're I mean, they are assholes, but like, I would much rather you be real with me than be a dog and just be like happy to hey, see me now, all the time. I don't like, have anything against. I don't have dogs, anything against dogs, but I keep my friend's dog sometimes, and that, like, wake me up at 5 a.m. because you got to go outside shit is not for me, That dog. breathing breathing in your face, climbing on you. It's a no from me, dog. <laughs> like, I... What kind of dog is it? Is it they're like a, always, like, labs, or these are, like, Australian shepherds. Oh, that's and just... And I love and them. They're, they're cute, beautiful little dogs, but they have so much energy. Dogs in general, though, like, you have... Oh, they're like children. Cats are so self-reliant and, like, independent. It's just, like, clean their litter box, and then I have an automatic food and water, like, thing that just stays. Does Gracie get crazy on the catnip? Oh, hell yeah. She's a big, big catnip girl. That's, yeah. Me and me and my husband enjoy our catnip while she enjoys hers, and it's a, <laughs> it's a good little party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, she goes crazy. But she's pretty, she's overweight. She's she's pretty overweight. But that comes with old age. Well, she's old. I'm not gonna like try to put her on a diet now. That's just rude. So she is pretty like lazy. Many, like how many pounds are we talking? I think she's thirteen. Thirteen pounds. Okay, that's not like terrible. Well, she's a pretty small body cat. Oh, so she's it's like, like wide. I mean, her her tummy swings when she <laughs> oh, walks. She's got some waddle in her walk. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, it's it's a it's it's too far gone. But she's floofy. We're pet floofy. She's floofy, and I'm just trying to keep her comfortable and alive for forever. Well, I told you, how long do you think? No, again, not to be hurt. What, do you think you'll get another one, right? You think? I don't know. I can't. I it's mean, tough. I won't ever need to because she's not dying. She's going to live forever. I told my husband to uh, just go ahead and get her stuffed and put her on the back of the couch where she likes to sleep. And do, you, do you guys have other... That'll hold us over for a few now, months. Now, now, now your husband, you've got, a, you've got a song that talks about that talks about him, right? Yes. Like a, like a, a, love, a love song. That is uh, the one song on my EP that I didn't write. It's called Your Hands. Yeah. And um, Autumn McIntyre, Marty Dodson, and Matthew Morrissey got together on a retreat. Uh, we kind of did an artist retreat for me. And wrote my love story so everything in it is to a t factual um but it was so weird to like have somebody pretty much read your diary to you that you've never written down and that's what it felt like when they played yeah. me that song um but yeah it felt good to finally honor my husband who's an incredible man and literally holds me together and is like the best partner in this thing yeah. how important is it to have a to have a supporting partner like that. Cause I feel like this world, this, this life that we live in this music thing can tear you apart. And us as touring people, like me and McElwain been touring guys for a while. And like yeah. you, you're getting deal that, that stuff that's going to happen where you're going to be out there and you're going to have to give me some oh, tips. We can work. Oh, we're, we'd be happy to do that. We've seen and seen and done it all at this point. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sweet boy. Um, but it takes a special man or woman to to be with someone, especially an artist, because there are those up and down roller coasters. Like, how important has it been to yeah. have him in your life? Well, I definitely did not picture myself getting to do this career and be married. Like, genuinely, my I come from just a family of ridiculous amounts of divorce. Like, it's just funny at this point where you're yeah. just like, okay, marriage is a joke. It's a yeah. piece of paper, and anybody can go get it. And 
claim forever. Like the, it's all just bullshit. Was kind of how yeah. that, I had that attitude, and then I definitely just was like, I can't commit because when I do something, I do it all in clearly, and so I was like, I can't do what I want to with my career and dedicate myself to my craft and give someone what they deserve of me in a relationship. Yeah. Like a marriage. And um, my husband and I actually dated in college some just very laid back kind of dating. And uh, then we reconnected like four years after that, after I'd lived in Nashville for almost two years and, he was like, I'm moving to Nashville to see if this is going to work. And I was like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> and he got on Craigslist, found roommates, and then was just here and would not go away. I was like, I'm going to scare you off. Like, boo boy, you're not signed up for this. Like, nobody, this is, you going to get tired. You might as well stop wasting all our time. I'm a pain in the ass. This is not what you want. And dude is still here. So it was really special, but I definitely was like, there's no way I can make this work. And now I could not do it without him. I don't think it has to be a romantic partner. That's like, so I don't recommend people like feeling like they need to go get in a relationship when they're doing, when they're on a journey this hard. But you have to find your person or your people in general. And that comes with that like networking crew too, because yeah. I have things and that's like a healthy, I think that's something I'm learning about a healthy marriage. Anyways, I'm not. I'm by no means speaking on marriage. Like I have a clue what I'm doing, yeah. but that's part of it is getting what you need from different people. So like I have certain girlfriends that I can have conversations with that make more sense than me trying to talk to my husband about that. And he can have conversations with his friends that make more sense than trying to talk to me. And that's healthy. And then I have musician friends, you know, whether those are guys or girls and He's just honestly the most secure man in the world. We don't have any jealousy. I don't, I'm pretty blunt yeah. as far as my <laughs> cheating song. It's like, I'm not going to cheat on you. I would sit down and tell you I'm thinking about cheating on you. That's where that whole idea came from yeah. was me genuinely saying that to my husband. So it's very specific to everybody's personalities and everything. And I, I know we're in for it once I start actually hitting the road. And um, hopefully he's able to come out with me quite a bit. You know, we're just taking it a day at a time. But um, what does he do for uh, what does he do for work and stuff? He's a mechanic. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he um, he works for a nursery in town right now. So that's fixing all kind of big big equipment down to weed eaters. Uh, but he got to work at Alan Jackson's place. Oh, really? Uh, last month, so it was kind of cool that both of our worlds kind of collided. I was like, "Did you slide Alan my mixtape or?" <laughs> What are you, what are you doing, homie? That's awesome. Go down that whole road and just throw them in the mailboxes because I'm sure it's <laughs> There's everybody there. famous right there. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Um, so a couple quick Nashville questions. Yeah. Um, favorite uh, or what do you think is like the most underrated bar or spot in town? Like a spot where you're like, why don't more people? My favorite. I mean, these are not kind of underrated. My favorite spots in Nashville are definitely Scoreboard and the Palace. To me, those are like when you talk about when people talk about Nashville and they talk about Broadway and Tin Roof and Winners and Losers and Red Door and even Live Oak. As much as I love you, Live Oak, um, they people kind of overlook that Music Valley section. That I mean, that like, would make I, sense because I love because I love. Scoreboard. Oh. Some of the best food in town is at scoreboards. Well, a massive menu, and they do like all of those uh, shrimp bowls and crawfish bowls and stuff in yeah. the summer, and that's yeah, it's and it's a vibe, dude. Like you can 
go inside for the like restaurant part if you want. I saw they got new bathrooms. Yeah, they've upgraded. Come on, because those bathrooms were horrible. <laughs> yeah. They know it. That's why there's new ones. But yeah. I went in those the other day. I was like, okay. But yeah, I guess if those are underrated, I think so much of my favorite talent lives there, you know, and I think I really love the local as a venue. Something I think is crazy underrated in this town just because people don't understand the history maybe. Uh, the Station Inn, baby. Yes, I've still never been there, and I've been in town oh. for four years, and I work in music. Well, I'm playing my first headlining show next month, so really? you better okay, come. Okay, what, what's the – do we – is that – um, it's pretty small in there, but... Well, let's fucking pack it out. And everybody I, watching that's in Nashville, sweet boy, we're going to go. We're going to mark it on the calendar. We're in town. We're going to be... We'll be there. March 21st, baby. It's a Tuesday. March 21st. It's a Tuesday. Yeah, that's opposite... Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going... You know, you, you like, you know, Steel Panther? You like Steel Panther? I don't know Steel Panther. You don't know Steel Panther? Sorry, bro. I listened to George Jones on my way here, okay. and I'll probably listen to Patty Loveless on the way. So, home. Steel Panther. Is, well, first of all, plug the show. So, May twenty first or March twenty first. March twenty first. Station in. So it's going to be a lot of bluegrass. I'm going. I'm. I have a bluegrass background, so we're going to do some. We're going to mix some of my stuff up, make it bluegrass, and then just do bluegrass classics. It's going to be awesome. But to me, that's the station in vibe, right? Oh it's yeah, more of that bluegrass traditional. But it'll be thing. a nice like. Dip your toe if you're not a bluegrass fan, because okay. it'll I'll be playing with a banjo, an upright bass, dobro. We'll be you, having crazy harmonies, yeah. but I'll be playing some of my okay. stuff too. Mark so. the calendar, McAvoy, March 21st. We're we're at the station in yes. partying with May Estes and all the bluegrass folks. But Steel Panther, it's like you know, like Wheeler Walker Jr. is the country music yeah. where it's like kind of wild, but like still yeah. sat, but it sounds sonically like country music, like '90s yeah. country. Steel Panthers like that, but for '80s hair metal. Okay. But on like a bigger kind Like dirty? Of, like, yeah. Like we'll play you some songs off there. They have some funny some funny stuff. But they'll play like those big rock festivals with like a hundred thousand people in like Europe. Like they're on that level. Europe and they and they look and they look like a they, and they look like guns. Like all the guys are like wearing the make they look like they're like guns and roses, like that era. But okay. they're singing songs like um I mean, the titles are, we'll tell you off the mic, the titles are pretty wild. But I playing, love that era. Like, yeah. is that still like Def Leppard Journey? Yeah, like that era? kind that that kind of music. And like, they're great musicians. Like, they're legit musicians, but it's like a bit. So, like, Hot Country like, Nights, but dirtier. Hot Country Nights, dirtier 80s hair metal. I like it. So, I'm but, intrigued. They're, but that's the, you said that's the night, the night before. You don't yeah, have to yeah. feel or look good, but you have to be at the station in. Yeah, well, y'all can come in with your hoods and your glasses. Oh, on he'll be and... he'll be hung. I'll be fine. I'm, <laughs> I haven't done a, I haven't done the hangover thing in oh, a while. Yeah. I'm good on that, but well, Mackle, but yeah, but that'll be a fun back to back. So the station in underrated place. Favorite Mexican restaurant in town because there's so fucking many of them. We're out of town a little bit. If it's like, yeah, there's a there's a drive through taco place uh, closer to my house. Called California Tacos, I think, or something like that. Okay. It, I think it's a little local place. It could not be. Yeah. But it's just a little hut, and it's great street tacos. And you said you're out near, out near Hendersonville, That's in right? Hendersonville, yeah. Okay. Which I think it's I gotta, called Got to give a shout-out to our buddy Trey Bonner. You know Trey Bonner at all? Or not really? I feel like I know the name, Little, but... little dude, mustache. Okay. Got Usually got a camera in his hand. I love um, it. He's one of our good buddies. He's been, in Hender he's been living in Hendersonville like the last four or five years, and he's just... 
just claims, just loves talking about how great, how much he loves Hendersonville. And how proud he is, like the parks you have out there. Oh, we do you have, have great parks. You don't have to come into town unless it's for like music stuff. Like everything you could ever want, need good food, things to do, good people, nice people. Oh, yeah. Every, everything, all walks of life in Hendersonville, Tennessee. It's amazing, but we're just renting a house. So we've been there for four years just yeah. renting. So we definitely are like, we have hopes of buying some damn piece of property at some point because holy crap it's so hard here yeah and we're just trying to like get can we have like five acres that don't have aren't don't have neighbors up our ass yeah you need a little bit of land we'll put a damn tiny house or a single wide on it and be happy as a clam like (laughs) but it's so hard yeah so anyways for now renton we've been there for four years we're close to the lake which kind of sucks if you don't have a boat but just kind of chaps your ass to just be like all right y'all i'll be here in my lawn chair y'all just let me know if you need i'll bring beer if anyone wants to let me be on their boat um but no it is all of the retail and everything is pretty new like it's a newly developed city so there's a target a walmart like i'm not used to all that shit either being from a small town and even i lived in east my first like oh, four here. That's culture shock. Oh, you telling me, buddy. That is like as much culture shock as possible. Having my mail stolen off my porch. It was like, what? This is ridiculous. But yeah, so, and there was not a lot in East. Like now there's that nice Publix, but in actual East itself, there was not. And that was before the gentrification of East. Uh-huh. So that was a different So different it was world. like a ghetto dollar store, yeah. Dollar General close to my house when I first got here that when you walk in it's like ding 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 you're being monitored for your security like there's cameras and blah 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 and I'm just like okay so it's like where I went to where I went to college in Jersey was right outside of Trenton New Jersey which is a pretty pretty rough area one of the stores we'd sneak into because they wouldn't even ID you that you could just go I, I never had a fake I just be bold and go in there oh, I was they, they didn't way too chicken they to ever even have a fake. they didn't sell beer by the case or the six pack they only sold it by the 40 ounce Ooh. so we used to just buy bud ice bud heavy colt 45 yes just sir nasty shit so yeah the, those good old liquor stores playing edward 40 hands throwing throwing a throwing a bottle through a tv you ever do that you ever play no, edward 40 sir. hands i was you know what edward 40 hands is no you ever play Edward Forty Hands? No, it's like when you when you're drinking and you gotta tape the you tape the forties to your hand and they're stuck on there until you finish them. <laughs> you didn't play that? That's like a common college game. You ever played Edward? What? 40? Yeah, you tape the forty ounces and you you, you don't have your it's your hands and you gotta drink them. <laughs> <laughs> I, must be a northern thing. Must be a must I be a northern degenerate that. thing. Well, I think in Arkansas we're just like ready to get drunk, so it's like you don't have to tape them to our hands. We've already had. Four whiskey drinks on the drive-in, and like we're we're good to go. I don't know. Maybe they play that. We were mostly just beer pong, lots of like Ring of Fire. Yeah. Anything to have people like take their clothes off or yeah, do something stupid. It's run fair. around, run around the neighborhood in your underwear. Yeah, like woo woo pig. Right we've there. all dabbled. Yeah. <laughs> woo pig. Dabbled. What's um what's something that you would want to looking back you'd tell yourself um eight years ago. Baby May leaving leaving Arkansas coming up here. You're the, one of those early scared nights. You're you're in East Nashville, uh-huh. and you're you look back like you could go and tell a young May Estes. Um, I think I would like to remind myself to slow down. I feel like a lot of my time here has been just head down, 
digging against that wall that you're just constantly working at till you strike gold. And I think my first four years working, I mean, hell, I worked in, and I'm not trying to like, I worked so hard, yeah. but I, I worked an 8.30, an 8 a.m. admin job till 12. I would get off at 12, go write a song from 12.30-ish till 4, go in for my job, serve in at 5, close it down about 2 a.m., and then do that all again. So, so much of that was a blur. Yeah. And I wish I would have slowed down and been able to actually like take in some of the things that I didn't realize would be so special looking back at them now. Yeah. But mostly I've no regrets in my journey. I've, I'm really proud of everything that I've done so far and proud of who I am and feel like I, you know, have hopefully been kind and respectful to everybody I've met along the way. And, um, mostly just really, really grateful to be a part of country music. Amen. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm proud to call you a friend and proud to have you here today and super stoked for everything that you've got coming. Uh, where can people go to find you on all the, all the socials and whatnot? Yeah. Um, mayestes.com will get you there. M A E E S T E S.com. Um, and then mayestes on all socials too. But, uh, yeah, been really working on that YouTube, so y'all go check out some of the videos there. We just filmed some content with Emma Golden, who's a badass oh, videographer. awesome. Shot some stuff with Marissa Taylor, who's... Yep, she's great, too. A queen. Yep. Um, and so we got a lot of fun stuff coming there, and EP's out on February 16th, so go check it out. And then we've got some live one-take versions of that coming out, Let's too. Go. So lots and lots of fun stuff coming. But I'm such a fan of you. Thank you so much for having me in the In the, in the Round podcast, fam. And, hey, of course. Uh, hey, you're, you're a longtime friend, and we've had you play in the rounds yeah. a bunch and would love to have you come back and play one Absolutely. soon with, with some of the fam, whether it be – whether it be SJ or... or Ask Whiskey or Jam. I can book a bill of some <laughs> oh, talent, know, boy. I'm, yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. And we'd love to love to have you come back and play that anytime and super stoked. Well, guys, be sure to check out our good friend, May Estes. The debut EP, the first big project coming before out February 16th before the record. That drops February 16th. And then she's also playing a place called the Grand Old Opry. Y'all may have heard of a time or two on March the 4th. And then she has coming up on March 21st. Yes, sir. I nailed all of them. Let's you go. You did. March 21st, um, playing at the station in full band with a lot of her bluegrass friends. Um, y'all be sure to get tickets to go and see May play here in town. And be sure to pre-order. Don't just pre-save. Pre-saving, it's cool. Pre-order the thing because her and the writers make more money off of it. It's really showing your support and love. If you get on Google Play, Apple iTunes, all that stuff, and um, buy the heck out of the EP. We're certainly doing that here at In The Round. But for May Estes, for our boy Matt McElwain, and for our sponsors, quick shout-out, Whaletail Media, Saxman Studios, our friends at Pickle Jar, and, of course, our boy Mitch Wallace with The Digital Marketing Agency. This has been the In The Round podcast. If you guys enjoyed the episode, tell your mama and them. Like I said, go check out our girl May Estes, and be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you all next time. This has been the In The Round podcast.